Welcome, everybody, to Cigars and Syndication, uh, where we're passionate about real estate and we're passionate about cigars. Um, you know, we hope we throw out a little education every week uh, and, and just some general discussions about real estate and investing. And, and hopefully you all enjoy uh, some of the cigars that uh, some of the cigars that we've reviewed, uh, like the one today we're smoking is a David off late hour. Um, I'm here with uh, my co-host, Jay Noor, and we're going to talk about uh, some some heavy heavy real estate investing and, and some things that are taking place in the market today. Hey, thanks, Robbie. Uh, glad to be here. I'm Junaid Noor, and uh, welcome to Cigars and Syndication. Um, yeah, this late hour, you know, I like this late hour. Uh, it's very spicy to begin with. It's got a, a, a little bit of a tight draw. It's made by Davidoff. You know, everything Davidoff makes, does they do a good job with. But a little bit of a tight draw because the ring gauge is smaller. Um I'm getting some pepper and uh, a little bit of leather. Very little hints of coffee, but much more pepper and leather. Yeah, same. I'm getting a really good peppery, uh, good spice coming off the draw, and and just maybe a little bit of uh, a little sweetness on the retro hail. Uh, this is a it is a a Churchill, so it is a little bit thinner ring gauge. It's a this is a seven by forty eight, um, but so far so good. It's a really good smoke. Yeah, you know, uh, there's another one that Davidoff made, which was the uh, 2021. It was the same uh, late hour, but it was a 2021, and it had a green label instead of the black label. And that was a phenomenal smoke. I just can't seem to find it anymore. You gave me a couple of those, and those were excellent, and I've never seen another one. That was, I mean, if y'all see that, grab it. If you see the box, get the box. It's well worth the money. It is. So today we're going to talk about the inverted yield curve and, and maybe how it is uh, tied to our precursor to a, a potential recession. Yeah, so, you know, when we're talking about the inverted yield curve, uh, let's start off by kind of explaining what, we're, what, what the yield is and what we're referring to. Um, so basically, when somebody buys a bond from the U.S. Treasury, you, it could be a corporate bond. It could be any kind of a bond. Uh, but when we refer to the inverted yield curve or we refer to anything that has to do with the the, the economy, we're, we're always referring to the United States government and the treasuries. So when, when we buy U.S. treasuries, we're basically giving a loan to the U.S. government. And that loan consists of principal and interest. So let's say you buy... A, a one-year treasury at 5% interest for $1,000, okay? So you give a $1,000 loan to the U.S. government. The U.S. government says, okay, we're going to pay you back $1,000 plus 5% at the end of one, one year. So that's $50 uh, at the end of one year. So $1,050 at, at the end of the year. Now, somewhere in the middle of the year, you were like, ooh, I, I need I need a thousand, I need my money back. I can't wait till the end of the year. An emergency's happened. I need to get rid of my bond. I need to get rid of this treasury. Well, you can't take it back to the US government and say, hey, give me back my money. They're gonna be like, well, you gotta wait till the end of the year. We have a contract. So you go into the secondary market and then you say, Hey, you come up to me and you say, Jay, do you wanna buy this bond? It's it's you know, it's a thousand dollar bond. I'll give you uh, give me a thousand dollars, 
and uh, you're going to get 5% at the end of the year, which is $50, but you only have six months left on the bond. So, you know, give me $1,050 or give me $1,025 for you getting $1,050 at the end of six months. And, and typically these these um, bonds, I mean, one year, two year, five year, 10 year, I mean, the longer the term, the the greater or the larger the interest on that on that bond is. Exactly. Because uh, people are wanting a higher interest rate for longer term bonds because there's more risk, right? I mean, with the U.S. Treasury, you don't really have a lot of risk because uh, because of the status that the U.S. government has. You know, they can print money. Uh, and, and you're pretty much guaranteed that you're going to get your money back, but still, uh, a 30 year treasury will give you more interest than a one year will because you're holding it much longer. So now here we are and you say you're trying to sell this bond, which has got a 5% interest on it. And I look at you and I say, well, you know, I can go to the U S treasury and get 6% today. Why would I buy your 5% bond? And so you think about it and you go, well, you know what? I'll reduce the price on my bond so it yields, and that's where the term yield comes in, the same as a 6%. So rather than you going and and spending $1,000 to get a 6% bond, I'm going to reduce the price of my bond by that one percentage point so your yield will be effectively the same or I'll reduce it by a little bit more, so your yield will be a little bit higher. So it gives you more of an incentive to buy my bond versus going buy it in the open market. And that's that's usually the case in a in a typical market environment. In in regards to you know timing, in regards to the length of the bond, when it in fact does invert. And some of the longer term bonds start becoming less attractive. Um, how does that impact the shorter term bonds? So, so when we're referring to the yield, we're always referring to the price of the bond in the open market currently based on the interest rate environment. So now, what happens when the yield curve inverts? Well, when the yield curve inverts, what's happening is that the open market, the buyers of the bonds are basically saying that the interest rates on shorter-term bonds need to be higher than longer-term bonds. And that's because they are afraid that in the long term, we're going to get a recession. As a result of the recession, the Fed will start reducing rates. When they start reducing rates, the interest rates on those longer-term bonds will start falling, and they're predicting, the market is basically saying, that a 4% short-term bond uh, of 10-year treasury is worth more than a 5% long-term bond right now. So what they'll do is when they're, when they're trading these bonds in the secondary market, the yields on the short-term bonds are now higher than the long-term bonds when it should be the other way around. That's why it's called an inversion of the yield curve. Yeah, and that's, it's really, it doesn't make sense logically, um, you know, because typically the longer-term 
bonds have a higher interest rate. So it, it's really kind of hard to wrap your brain around, but you really, once you, once you digest it and understand it, you can really kind of see how it, how it is related or, you know, and how it could be a precursor to the recession. Right. So it's a, it's an indicator, right? It's not, we're not forecasting. Uh, the, and so when we're talking about yields inverting, we're usually referring to the, uh, 10 year bond, uh, and the two year bond, right? So the 10 year bond is the long term bond and the two year bond as the short term bond. Um, and, uh, what's happening is that the interest rates or the yields, not the interest rates, because the interest, so when you refer to the interest rates, you're referring to the rate on the face of the bond. When you're referring to the yield, you're referring to what you paid for it plus the cash flow that you're going to get back from it. So if you got a discount, if you paid at a discount, then your cash flow is going to be higher, right? So, um, uh, so the, the inversion is an indicator that the 10-year bonds in the long term are going to be worth less because there's an impending recession. So we, we talk about it being a, a precursor or an indicator that there could potentially be a recession. How do we know historically? I mean, are there, has this happened before in the past? Yeah. So, you know, if you, if you read up on, on the inversion of yield curves, um, since 1955, nine out of 10 recessions have been preceded by yield curve, including 2008. So the market feels, and you know, you, you can, you can argue that maybe this is a self-fulfilled prophecy. You know, people are thinking, Hey, the economy is going to drop. They start demanding more yield for short-term bonds and then the economy does drop. But, you know, uh, that's one argument that could be made. But, you know, in the last uh, 10 recessions, uh, other than I think it was 1960s, uh, that was the only time when the the yield curve inverted and we did not have a recession. And there's a whole reason as to why we didn't have that. And a lot of it has to do with the Vietnam War. Right. Once you get into a war situation, um, the country has to produce. There's a lot more production going on. There's a lot more. The economy grows. So, you know, taking this this topic and applying it into the today's market, um, how close do you think we are to, to this search, this circumstance happening? So we did an episode uh, a few weeks back, which was the 2023 predictions for the housing market or 23, 23 predictions for the economy. And in it, we talked about uh, how the Fed is going to have to come down, um, bring the bring inflation down to its 2% target. So the Federal Reserve has set a target of 2% for inflation. And as of this podcast, inflation is still at about 6%. So what the Fed will do is they will raise interest rates. When they raise interest rates, what happens is that uh, it affects all the short-term lending, right? So Fed, when the Fed raises interest rates, it doesn't affect long-term bonds. It affects short-term bonds. And, um, and it affects short-term interest rates. So your credit card, uh, it affects um, uh, a lot of commercial lending because a lot of commercial lending, when you go to buy multifamily, when you go to buy retail, any construction loans, they're all based off of the Fed's uh Fed's uh, interest rate. So the Fed will increase interest rates to try to slow down the economy, right? 
The cost of borrowing goes up, so people will borrow less. People will spend less because, you know, if you have a, a balance on your credit card and it was at 5% and now all of a sudden it's gone up to 8% or 10% or, you know, 20%, then the responsible person will say, okay, you know what? I'm going to start, I'm going to stop buying things that I don't need and let's pay off this credit card. Yeah. I think one of the, the things that complicates our situation, our environment today is it does seem like the economy is still fairly strong. Yeah, and that is very unfortunate because, uh, and, and, and a lot of it has to do with, uh, <clears throat> people having money saved up from the stimulus from the federal government printing money and, and handing it out for, uh, during COVID. And so people are still spending, you know, there's still pent up demand. Uh, jobs are doing better still. Uh, as of today, uh, today's Wednesday, we're waiting on the jobs report that comes out Friday. If, je- if that jobs report uh, shows an increase in payroll, uh, Chairman Powell just said yesterday in congressional testimony that he's going to increase the interest rate by another half a point. So the Fed will keep trying to increase interest rates to try to cool the economy down. You know, one of the things that on that 2023 predictions or 2023 uh, forecast uh, that was interesting to me was how you explained the actual lowering of the the GDP that has to take place in order to offset inflation. Exactly. So the Fed can increase interest rates to a certain extent, uh, but that increase in interest rates alone will not be able to reduce inflation down to the 2% target. So in order to get down to the 2% target, goods and services, which is our GDP, right? The, it is the total value of all goods and services produced in the United States, will have to start declining. That means manufacturing will have to produce less goods. Uh, there will be less services. There will be less demand for services because interest rates are going up. And as a result, there will be more higher unemployment. So all those factors taken into account, the GDP, which is the total of all goods and services produced, will start shrinking. And when that starts shrinking, that's when you have the recession, but that's also how the Fed will bring inflation down. Yeah, so this is this is a really unusual circumstance for the economy. I, I think there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of juggling that's going to have to take place to navigate this thing and 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 maybe just have a mild recession and and not not be stagnant for so long. So most of the economists are pre- are, are predicting a mild recession, not too bad of a recession, but you know, nobody nobody's got a crystal ball, nobody knows. Um if you now you and I remember and most of our audience may not remember, I know certainly our our camera people in the back don't know uh, about uh, the inflationary environment back in the 80s. You know, you had interest rates that were at 13, 14%, and unemployment was at 11%. Uh, but the economy still kept going. People were still making money. They were still living their lives. Uh, they were still buying houses. I remember when my parents bought their first house back in 1991, uh, I still remember reading the note. It was a 9.5% interest rate on the on the note. And my parents were like, oh, wow, you know, it's gone down from 11. We're getting a great deal. Yeah, that's a scary thought. Hopefully we never see that again. Um, hopefully they start leveling off pretty soon. Uh, but, but speaking of complexity, 
this late hour is a, is a really good, uh, it's a complex, uh, it's getting more complex as I get a little further into the smoke. Uh, the burn is, a, is magnificent uh, for those of you that can't see. Um, and it, uh, it, smells, uh, it smells wonderful. It's very fragrant, very fragrant. I'm getting a really, really good uh, peppery that's getting stronger as I get down. Uh, it's a really, uh, really good smoke I'm enjoying so far. Yeah, no, I, I like this smoke as well. Uh, it started off with a little pepper at the, at the tip of my tongue, and now it's kind of at the roof of my mouth. And um, it's mellowed out a little bit. And uh, I think uh, as we get towards the end, it'll start uh, getting a little bit stronger again. Well, hopefully we didn't bore you guys to death with the inverted yield curve. Um, it's a little bit of a complex topic, but I, but I think it's uh, it's necessary to talk about and and really try to grasp and understand and hopefully make you feel a little bit more comfortable uh, with the current uh, economic environment that we're in. Um, if you want to. We're going to have an article posted on this topic at albanyparkcapital.com. Uh, go check it out and, and continue to educate yourself and, uh, and smoke good cigars. Yeah, you know, and this is really what, it, what it's all about, Robbie. Um, nobody's born with the knowledge. Uh, we all learn it as we go, and we're, then we try to, to you know, pass it forward um, and, and teach people about the information that we have. And, you know, we don't know everything. Um, we're still learning, and we hope... Our audience is still learning. Uh, we'd love to have some comments from our audience. Uh, you know, let us know if there's something that you would like to hear about, uh, a cigar that you'd like to know about. And, you know, the audience can just go on to any website where, you know, Yahoo Finance or any of the finance websites and look at the uh, yields that are being offered by the two-year and the 10-year. And if you see that the yield on the two-year is higher than the 10-year, that's your inverted yield curve, and you can look at it and say, oh, that's the indicator that there's a recession coming. So anyway, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Have a good smoke, and go check out your, your yield curves.